Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that race Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Reign of Troy Radio, episode 467. Coming to you on Thursday, December 8th. We're going to look at the Heisman Trophy campaign of Caleb Williams, the All-American uh Stature, I guess you could say, of Tuli Tui Pelotu, uh, and so much more here on this episode, talking the transfer portal, taking your questions, and all of that. As always, you can follow Reign of Troy on Twitter and Facebook. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, we are there. Our email address is reignoftroy at fansire.com. I'm your host, Michael Castillo, joining along with my co-host here in the Reign of Troy studio, Lisa Dertel. Hello, everybody. Hello, uh, we're back uh, to talk and probably a shorter episode. Last week, uh, what well, was it? Monday went two hours. You mean a normally sized episode? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Because the two hour episodes are definitely an hour longer than intended. So, what, what was last week? Biggie two- sized? Was it macho sized? I would say like a two and a half hour episode, which we have done in the past, is super size. So two hours. Should you go with the McDonald's sizing? Yeah, let's go with the extra large. I don't know McDonald's. Extra large would be like in and out. I don't know McDonald's sizing, so that's on that's on you to tell me. Wow, they just they just have a large now, but super size used to. Yeah, yeah. I'm a I'm a fan of the macho size over at uh, at Del Taco. Look at that. Okay, macho. We do venti, the venti size. What's the I don't one know that's what venti bigger? Is. I just, is, venti is, is just really is the big. big one? Yeah, it's the big one. But I think there's a bigger one than venti, but I don't know the Wait, name. Wait, isn't it. it Trenti? Trenti, yeah. So it was a Trenti sized episode. No, no, no. It was a venti sized episode. If it went two and a half to three hours, it would be a venti it would be a trenti sized episode. But the tall is actually a small, yes. right? Yes. It it makes no sense. <laughs> It doesn't so have to like, make sense. Every time I'm on TikTok now, I see uh, TikToks about how the caramel macchiato at Starbucks is not really a caramel macchiato. This is not a macchiato. Yeah. Yeah. But it doesn't really matter because it's a coffee drink. Like, it's Starbucks. Just it's, run with it. It's bad. That's what it is. That's but uh, things are good for USC football, even despite uh, last week, because... Caleb Williams is a Heisman Trophy finalist. We're going to talk about that in the news. Uh, but before we get to that, we got to get to a review, which is not really a real review, but it's real enough. Alicia, tell us about this review. 
All right. So our buddy Dan over in the Slack channel mm -hmm. asked an AI to write a review of Random Troy. Mm -hmm. And he posted it. And then he did an, an, another spin on it, which he asked an AI to write a review of Reign of Troy in iambic pentameter. Mm -hmm. And this was the result. Ah, Reign of Troy Radio, how I love to tune in to listen to your host discuss the Trojans win. Their passion for the team is truly contagious. Their knowledge on the sport is quite outrageous. Their banter is light. Their jokes are a hoot. Their analysis is sharp. Their opinions astute. They keep me entertained. My commute is no longer a bore. Reign of Troy Radio, I'll continue to support and adore. To which our buddy Marcelo said, that is not an iambic <laughs> Close enough. But I love it. I love it. The AI, So Dan asked, are the robots right about the podcast? Uh, so, <laughs> I, I hope so. Um, the robots will have to let us know in in our reviews on Apple Podcast and all of the other and YouTube and all of the other areas that you can review us if you can come up with an actually iambic iambic pentametered uh, ode to Reign of Troy. I, we will definitely read it on the show. I really thought I wouldn't have to think about iambic pentameter <laughs> pentameter after being in college. Like I, I just I don't want to revisit it. See, but I took Latin, and uh, the Latin, like the epics, are written that you're supposed to sort of read them in in a cadence. I can't remember if it is iambic pentameter. If there's another one, I just remember the opening to the Aeneid. Um, we had to sort of learn it the way you would properly say it in the Latin is arma verwinque cano, like it's ba ba da ba 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 ba, like something like that. Each line is supposed to be. Yeah, yeah, I I get I get I get no patience for it. There's <laughs> only so many John Donne poems you can read and write about, you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, we appreciate the support from Dan uh, and our robotic friends, of course. Uh, we we appreciate the support from everyone here on YouTube watching us live. As always, be sure to hit the like button and subscribe to the show. We'll be back uh, next week again on Monday and Thursday here during the uh, run-up to the Cotton Bowl, uh, Mondays and Thursdays, live 5 p.m. Pacific uh, is where we are live here on YouTube. Um, but let's get into the news. Alicia, we got a bunch of it, and we have to start with the big one. Caleb Williams is a Heisman finalist uh, and he's starting to win a ton of national awards but he's a heisman finalist nonetheless uh 5 p.m pacific on espn we'll find out on saturday uh probably closer to six o'clock when they do the reveal yeah let's be honest um but it's uh caleb williams along with uh georgia quarterback stenson bennett the fourth uh tcu quarterback max duggan ohio state quarterback cj stroud uh those are the four guys um Quite an interesting bunch. I think that right now it's we can I can probably definitively say that it's a uh, Caleb versus Duggan battle. Duggan just won the, the Davy O'Brien Award. Davy O'Brien Award is looked at as an award that sometimes tips off who wins the Heisman, but so is the AP Player of the Year. And Caleb Williams was a unanimous selection for that, right? Yeah, only five times in history has the AP Player of the Year differed from the Heisman uh, winner. So it's a really good plus for Caleb. Um, he's the odds-on favorite. 
I think that uh, everyone is sort of looking at it as as his to lose. It would be Duggan coming in and and sort of pulling off a surprise upset if if that's what happens on Saturday. Um, it could happen. I think it should not. I think Caleb Williams has proven uh, that he has been the most outstanding player in college football this year. Um, the way I see it, if you gave any of the other three quarterbacks in the running for the Heisman USC's defense. Um, and ask them to go outscore them every week. Uh, they would not have done as well as Caleb Williams did. Uh, if you look at Caleb Williams' statistical measurements, they are all up there uh, top yeah. of the nation in terms of touchdowns accounted for this year, uh, very, among the lowest interception rates, yards, everything. Um, and then he passes the eye test. Anyone who watched USC play UCLA or Notre Dame or uh, Utah – could see what a what a player even on one leg against Utah he was making plays he was fighting through it so I think uh, Caleb Williams should be the runaway Heisman winner I think that the um, the only sort of debate around the Heisman that I have here is Stetson Bennett being the fourth of the finalists which I think is um, everything that I don't like about some of these national awards where it's give it to the most uh, the highest profile player on the number one team in the country, which Stetson Bennett is a very good quarterback. Like I will not, I he's, will not, he's a very good. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a very quarterback. good quarterback for what he, in the moments for that they need is. him and they sure. need moments that they need him to step up. He steps up very good quarterback for that team. Uh, they should be happy to have him. He's going to go down as arguably the greatest quarterback in Georgia history. Good for him. Oh, oh, that that is a that is oh, a take. Oh, mm, not are people re- believing that? Yes, no. Uh, it's been said, and no. I, I had to write about it, and I think there's an no. argument. Yeah, yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah, uh, yeah. There, there. Are, like Matthew Stafford certainly has his argument, and and uh, and and others who own sort of the 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 all time career records and stuff like that, but like. In terms of achievement, he's going to be up there. But my issue with Stetson Bennett is if you took Duggan or Stroud or Caleb Williams and put them on that Georgia team, they would be the runaway 13-0 greatest thing you've ever seen. If you took Bo Nix or Michael Penix or Hendon Hooker or any of the other quarterbacks who were in uh, factoring in for the, the finalists, and put them on that team, they too would be runaway, uh, runaway Heisman winners. And, um, you know, if, if you looked at the importance of a player like Bijan Robinson to Texas and what he's done at Texas this year, um, to me, it's Stetson Bennett is in here because he's because of Georgia, Georgia, the team, whereas these individuals to me, like Max Duggan is, is, uh, and Caleb Williams are dragging their teams uh, to the finish line. At right. this point, um, and CJ Stroud, when you Bennett watch him, isn't you the just... best player in his team. No, Brock Bowers is a better player. Jalen Carter. I mean, I would have put Jalen Carter. If, if you said we're going to put a Georgia player in the Heisman finalists, Brock Bowers or Jalen Carter absolutely could have been in there. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. If you were Jim Harbaugh and you had a choice to ride with uh, your your quarterback. JJ McCarthy. Yes, McCarthy. Or go with Stetson Bennett. Who would you go with? Personally, actually, the only one that I the only there's a lot of teams in the top 15 that I think would ride with their quarterback. Um, Michigan, I think Stetson Bennett would be perfect for Michigan. Okay. okay. But that's because I was gonna run down the whole list. Okay, yeah. hold on. 
You, you're going to say that that's just because Michigan's running attack is their strength and Fine. they could use a quarterback that is just, just gets the job done. Okay. Uh, is TCU going to take uh, Bennett over Duggan? No. No. Is Ohio State going to take Stroud over Duggan over Bennett? No. No. Is Alabama going to take uh, Bennett over Bryce? No. No. Is Tennessee going to take Bennett over a health, healthy hooker? No. Nope. Um, is uh, Clemson, let's be honest, well, going to take Stetson Bennett? But the question is, would they take Cade Klubnick over Stetson Bennett? And I think that's – we haven't seen enough from Klubnick. Cub, I can't say his dang name. Klubnick. Uh, Klubnick. Yeah. Uh, but certainly if it was it was DJ, then yes, they absolutely would take Stetson Bennett. Cam but- Rising. You're going to stick with Cam Cam Rising over over Bennett. Yeah. Uh, K-State has a couple of quarterbacks. I mean, Adrian Martinez? I I, like Maybe. maybe, I think there's debate there for K-State, but... uh, SC is going to stick with Caleb Williams over Bennett. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Penn State probably takes Bennett over Clifford. Yeah. Uh, Washington sticking with Penix over Bennett. Uh, Florida State, I, I I don't even know who Florida State's quarterback is off the top of my head. It's irrelevant. Uh, Oregon State surely would take Bennett. They just need a quarterback need with a anybody quarterback. Who, yeah. who has a pulse. Yeah. Uh, Oregon's going to take Knicks. Tulane, I, I guess, would take Bennett over Pratt just because. Would they, though? Because like he's apparently like going to be the hot name on the transfer market if he decides to, to enter the portal at some point. That's, that's LSU. The scuttlebutt. Are, are you taking are you taking Bennett over over Jaden Daniels? Hmm. Those are like opposites. You like, see, but you see what I'm saying? Like, yes, Stetson yeah. Bennett should not be a Heisman finalist. I think he's a good college quarterback. Yes, he is a he's a winner. He's a he's a, he's a game manager. Yeah, he, he's good. All of those things. Um, the the other three guys in here are so far superior to him as a quarterback. Max Duggan, CJ Stroud, Caleb Williams. I would take over Bennett any day of the week. Um, and this is not the bash on Stetson Bennett. He's gonna Stetson Bennett's gonna have like an awesome life. When yes. college football is over, he's gonna be able to say like he was the quarterback when Georgia was at its peak and like live off that for the rest of his life, and it's gonna be awesome. But he's not a Heisman. He's not a Heisman uh candidate, not to mention a a finalist. Um, so, and, and Stroud had a sort of poor end of the season. I think we can sort of eliminate him. It really is down to Duggan and and Caleb Williams. And it it comes down to, do you value Duggan, um, being undefeated in the regular season? I, I mean, sure. I I think, I think Duggan is a, is a worthy winner, but I think Caleb is, is the guy he's just, he's just been. Just that much better this year. If you gave Duggan USC's defense, he would not have been undefeated this year. Right. Yeah. Because as far as I'm concerned, Caleb Williams in the regular season did more than enough to be undefeated this year. He literally won games. And then the one game he lost, he's put up 43 points. Like, I mean, yeah, yeah I wanted and the well, offense to score more. But, like, and, in and, the end, what can you do when your defense gives up a two-point conversion? In, the, in the final game um, that he loses again, the second one, uh, he loses because of his injury. Also, it was a three-point game with 10 minutes left before the defense decided to cry right. uncle. Like, so it's, I mean, yeah. the, the Utah game is a whole mess of mess. But to me, Caleb Williams, when healthy, was unstoppable this season. 
Yes. And he got better as the season went on. Yes. That to me is a big telling sign of how you win a Heisman. Um, earlier on in the season, the middle of the season, I, I don't think he was really talked about in the Heisman uh, race. I think it was mostly Hendon Hooker was running. Away Hooker and Shroud were the, were the two guys and Hooker should be a finalist. Absolutely. Uh, for what for what he was able to do. But ultimately, it's uh, it's Bennett over Hooker for some reason. And um, and Caleb Williams is there as well. So we'll see if Caleb can can win it. He is the uh, AP player of the year, the CBS Sp- uh, sports player of the year, the Bleacher Report offensive player of the year. Um, those are those are good things to have. We'll see if he can wrap up the Heisman and become the seventh Heisman Trophy winner. USC, sorry, eighth Heisman Trophy winner. <laughs> USC history. Uh, we we get we got a question from from Cameron uh, in in the YouTube chat uh, over under. 0.5 references of free Reggie from Caleb Williams during the Heisman Trophy presentation. I think it would be pretty nuts if he got up there and said, like, you know, mentioned Reggie and all that stuff. No. I have a feeling that it couldn't possibly happen that they would tell him not to. I don't think I would take the under on the words free Reggie being uttered, but somebody should be in Caleb's ear right now saying if you do win that award when you go up to make your remarks, you say you are the eighth. Heisman winner at yeah. USC. I think I think that's, that's probably the way to, to do it. It's just some like underhand like you you just count say, Reggie. Hey, yeah. Don't yeah. 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 As cool as it would be to just sit there and be like, I will not accept unless you free no. like like that is that's that's never gonna happen. No. And also I I don't know that that would go down well. Do um, I think do I think he should reference Reggie Bush in his speech? I think he should too. I would say I'm the eighth. Heisman winner and it is a privilege. Rattle, rattle it is an honor to come in to, yeah. to walk in the footsteps of Reggie Bush and Matt Leinard and Carson Palmer and the yeah. rest. Then you, then you can go down the list and they're like and uh, also behind me should be Anthony Davis. <laughs> Ricky Bell. I was Ricky Bell. <laughs> for my day job I was compiling a list of all the winners and the runner-ups and it was just like I got to that era that stretch of years where it was like Ricky Bell runner up, Ricky Bell third place, and then Anthony Davis runner up, and Anthony Davis second place, and you're looking at it going like, man, like mm-hmm. you lost to like Archie Griffith, and like uh, okay. Archie Griffith never should have won a second time. Yeah, it just he, he shouldn't have finished those, in the top three. Those guys were so like unfortunate in terms of like the luck of when they had uh, their their Heisman. Um, how, how would years. you feel? Let's say Caleb wins it. He comes back next year. And wins it again. Like, obviously, pretty damn good. obviously, you want him to have the best season possible. Okay, cetera, but here's but like, USC fans should be dreaming of Caleb Williams winning a second because you know how Caleb Williams wins a second? USC being really good again. USC is the number one team in the country. Well, because the, the, I think, is- like back in the day, it was, it was super easy, apparently, for Archie Griffin to win it twice. Uh, if you go back and look at the numbers, it, it's kind of insane yeah. that he won too. Um, but I think it would be the hardest thing in the world to win it twice now. You'd have to. Well, why? None Bri- of the guys have gotten close. Bryce Young was set up for it, but he the team sort of fell apart around him. Yeah. So that's what what Caleb needs is to be the number one seed going into the playoff. Mm-hmm. And that, like, obviously he's going to have to have a special year for that to happen. So sort of they go hand in hand, yeah. but um, Caleb Williams does not win a second Heisman 
unless USC is the number one team in the in the nation going into the going into the playoff. That's that's my prediction. But I mean, he's got to win the first one. But like, if he doesn't yeah. win the first one, then screw everything. The voters are insane. Uh, we got a question from from Jack in the chat. Do you think Caleb's explicit fingernails shortened the gap between Caleb and the runner-up, or perhaps lost Caleb the Heisman? Um, number one, no, absolutely not. No, I don't think the the fingernails have anything to do with uh, that. If anyone changes their vote away from Caleb Williams because he's not a quote unquote role model, um, then they didn't do their research because Caleb Williams is an incredible role model to yeah. kids these days. He does active work in the community on the subject of mental health, on the subject subject of anti bullying. Um, on the subject of of just everything that could go on in, in a young person's life, he is right there with it. Um, no, if, if people didn't vote for him, then they did not pay attention to him. Um, what I think shortened the gap is that he got injured in the first quarter of the Pac-12 title game and lost. Yeah, but I still I still and think the gap is there. I, I, yeah, I think the gap is there too. But uh, recency bias does play a role. Yeah, we'll we'll see how that comes to be again 5 p.m. on uh, ESPN on Saturday. Um, let, let's talk about the the other um, USC player bringing some hardware home uh, this December. It is Tuli Tui Pelotu. Uh, he officially is on the All-American wall uh, via CBS 24-7 Sports and The Athletic. He was a first-team selection alongside Caleb Williams. Uh, second team picks were Brett Nealon and Andrew Voorhees. This both is in USC CBS twenty four seven. Yeah, twenty four seven sports together. Yeah, and uh, honorable mention was Kalen Bullock. Uh, notable op- opponent uh, selections that that you might think of. Uh, Notre Dame's Michael Mayer uh, was the tight end. Uh, over well, over Dalton Kincaid. Are you serious? Yeah, Dalton Kincaid wasn't a wasn't a finalist for the Mackey, dude. Wait, are you? Are I'm you serious. serious. Yeah, he was not a final finalist for the Mackey. Yeah, this was controversy like a couple weeks ago. Insane. When, no, I thought he. I thought the the big scuttlebutt was that Utah wanted him to be on the Belitnikov. Uh, if I are you he's not a finalist for the Mackey. Uh, let's just double that check can't here be right. that I remember people saying he's not a finalist for the Mackey. Finalists announced. There's uh, no Brock way. Bowers, Sam Laporta, and Michael My- Michael Mayer. There is no way. Yeah, Dalton Kincaid snubbed. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I don't know if they limit it to three. And it's like you're not going to argue against Brock Bowers and Michael Mayer. And I don't know enough about Sam Laporta, but if an Iowa tight end, uh, you know, maybe he was dragging them to whatever touchdowns they got this year. But like, yeah, Dalton Kincaid, not a finalist. He leads the country in tight end catches. Yeah. Not a finalist. Yeah. I, I, that's why I hate voting and all these things. It's <laughs> it's absurd. Yeah. The the one that will make me mad more than anything is is Christian McCaffrey not winning the Heisman. Like insane. Yeah. Again, get rid of the award. I mean, you could I could say a lot of things about the guys who didn't win Dalton the award. Dalton Kincaid is not a Mackie final. Are you yeah, kidding me? It's insane. What? Yeah. Anyways, uh, two two below two. Uh, the national sack leader, twelve and a half sacks, is. A all a uh, all American, uh, of course. Of course, to uh, CBS twenty four seven Sports and the Athletically, we talked about um, the Big Five haven't really come out yet. So uh, the Big Five, off the top of your head, uh, was it the AP, Walter Camp, Sporting uh, News, Sporting News, the coaches and, uh, and FWA. Yeah, um, that those will come out probably in the next week or so. 
Uh, we'll see if Thule gets on those. I would imagine he has to. Yeah. Um, I, 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 national sack leader. Come Caleb on. is going to be a unanimous, I think, or like very high consensus, very short of unanimous, if not. Um, I think that Thule has a very good shot of being consensus. Um, if not unanimous, it will be interesting to see what those uh, what those selectors do. It's hard to predict. You got to get all five of them. It's yeah. You can always it, miss on we've one, talked but. about it before with with voting. Um, we've been you know we've had votes for things. I just got an email about I could vote for the Ray guy. Yeah, like I'm not going to vote for the Ray guy. I'm sorry. I, I I'm if I vote for the Ray guy, I'm going to look up stats, and then it's going to be the most lame vote of all time. Just yeah. looking up stats. I, I didn't watch enough uh punters i'm sorry um but vote for caleb williams but like that's how this that's how those those the voting works right like so many of those things are just you know people going by uh the the stat sheet i think it's we talked about before i think it's easier to know who the best running back and quarterback and maybe the receivers are Uh, outside of that it's who has the best stats and Tuli leading the country in sacks is going to net him a ton yeah. of, uh, of of all American votes, yeah. which is also why I think Kalen Bullock. Um, I don't. He wasn't an all American level guy for me on USC's defense. No, uh, um, but he is getting all American um, recognition in certain areas, like you know honorable mention from CBS and twenty four seven Sports, and I think that's because of the interceptions. Because when you're not watching every game and you look at and you know you see him make the big play against Notre Dame, and then you go to the stats and you see how many interceptions he has, the most by a Trojan since Adoree Jackson in 2016, like that pays. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think he was also a name that was touted around as a potential sort of All American candidate going into the season. Yeah. So name recognition plays a big role in absolutely. in a lot of this. So. Um, that's just sort of the way it goes, but yeah. yeah. See, SC benefits in, in areas like this, and I guess Dalton Kincaid doesn't for, yeah. for some. I, I think Dalton Kincaid is getting knocked because sixteen catches and two hundred some on yards. Take out those one team. Take out those stats, and he still has more production <laughs> yeah. than Brock Bowers. Yeah, like, yeah. No, I'm I'm not arguing it. I just think that that's what pe- people are thinking. Well, he beat up USC's crappy defense, so yeah. they're knocking him un- unfairly. Uh, Tim, Tim in the chat says, doesn't, uh, doesn't Tule lead in tackles for loss? Uh, no, no longer. Darrell Johnson. He's, he's second. Uh, has uh, 22 and a half tackles for loss uh, he in leads, 12 games. Tule has 21 and 13. He leads power five yeah. by a considerable amount. The, the next power five yeah. Darrell Johnson is, from Liberty. is Will Anderson with 17. Yeah. So, so. Yeah, and Jose Ramirez of the Cleveland Guardians is third uh, with 19 and a half. Um, all right, uh, other Pac-12 awards to get to. Um, let, let's talk about the players of the year. Caleb Williams, Offensive Player of the Year. Tui Tui Pelotu, uh, to, uh, Tui Tui Pelotu Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, Lincoln Riley, not the Coach of the Year. It is co-winners uh, DeBoer from Washington and Smith from Oregon state. I'm totally fine with that. Uh, we talked about this before. There were so many deserving guys in the pack 12. Somebody was going to get snubbed. It was Lincoln Riley in this instance. Shrug. Uh, I, you, I guess you'd rather have your, your players recognized than, than your coach, if anything. Um, 
Sure. Yeah, I, I I made the argument for Lincoln considerably uh, this season. I think it was a strong argument, but I also was not going to argue against DeBoer or Jonathan Smith winning it. So them getting a co-nod makes perfect sense to me. What DeBoer did at Washington was immense. Uh, what Smith has continually done at Oregon State has been immense. Um, credit to both of those guys. And a lot of the time with Coach of the Year awards, they do default to the guy who was most surprising. Mm-hmm. And so Lincoln Riley was always going to be at a disadvantage because people expected USC to improve the way that they did. People didn't expect Washington. It's the power of the to brand. Improve. Hmm? Yeah, the power of the brand. Yeah. It's yeah. like, well, of course you should go 11 and, and two when you're at USC, even though USC hasn't won 11 games at USC and no coach has won 11 games right. at USC in a long time. So we talked about before the season, SC was like overrated before the season because, because they are USC and because yeah. Lincoln Riley is named to Lincoln Riley. SC started out very high and there was a part in the season where it looked like SC was overrated or at least compared to UCLA. There's a part in the season where you could say UCLA was looked better by the eye test or had done more. Um, But SC was rated higher because they started higher, Mm -hmm. Um, which is all the gripes that people have about polls and stuff. Right. But like sometimes that benefits SC. Absolutely. Um, but uh, that means the coaches award is a little bit harder to win. Uh, the All Pac-12 first teamers: Caleb Williams, Jordan Addison, Andrew Voorhees, uh, Tui Pelotu, and Makai Blackman uh, at corner. Good for him. I th- I'm glad yeah. he's getting some recognition. I thought he was great as SC's uh, corner this year. Uh, I, you, you want a hot take? Best player on USC's defense. Well, I, I think he's the third best corner of SC uh, to play at SC this century. Hmm. Okay. Adori, Nikel, Blackman. Where am I wrong? Mm, that's. I don't think you're wrong. Um, the Pete Carroll era had some guys, who, but like I, I, I think all three of those are better than the Pete Carroll era guys. Uh, I love me some Will Pool, so maybe maybe Will Pool will will put. <laughs> third over blackman sure yeah yeah i don't i don't know that i can argue too much blackman was reliable and that's all you want from a corner like especially on a defense that got that got uh roasted at times the way that they did um probably some recency bias yes i'm I'm admittedly saying here yeah sure but yeah well deserved for him uh second team travis die uh it's second team uh brett nealon second team offensive lineman brett and nealon remington remington award finalist there we go second team all pack 12 yeah and uh kaylin bullock second team all pack 12 as well honorable mentions justin didich jonah monheim shane lee taj washington and max williams i believe the honorable mentions just means that they had a vote it's kind of like yeah. um uh Others receiving votes in the AP poll. And these are voted on by the coaches. The coaches. Yeah. Uh, so we're still waiting on the Morris Award, which is the offensive and defensive linemen that are voted on by the players, unless they don't give that out anymore, because um, that's the one I'm always really curious about. But, yeah, the honorable mentions by the coaches. Um, I think that Taj Washington absolutely deserves that nod. Justin Dietrich deserves that nod. Jonah Monaheim deserves that nod. Mm-hmm. Um, I have questions about Shane Lee and Max Williams personally, but um, – also, it's an honorable mention, and I do not, I do not care. Uh, Eric Gentry should have gotten an honorable mention if if you're going to give uh, those guys the honorable mention. No, I, I agree, but I also I think there 
yes, I would I, I would say that Gentry d- would deserve it over Chainley. At the same point, like I think it's interesting that coaches vote the way that they do. Yeah. Um, for two things. I think that one, I think coaches can be blindsided by, oh, this is a guy who I know was I wanted him in the transfer portal, so he must be good. I think there's some of that. Um, but also you get dudes who like Jonah Monheim, he's not getting a vote for that. He's getting a vote because he probably had went up against some defensive lineman who like, man, was like that guy got, got worked one game. And like that, then that, that coach is going to be like, well, I got to vote for Monheim yeah. because like he ate our dude up. But I also think uh, with the offensive lineman, it's hard to give the offensive lineman um, – these awards because so much of it is the offensive line as a whole. Sure. And I think that when you look at like USC's offensive line stats, um, it's completely within rights to have all of USC's, the, 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 the guys out there who um, put up the, I mean, we're going to talk a little bit later about some of the stats that they put up. So a guy like Monheim also, um, you know, you might've seen, you know, one really good performance that the coach saw. And then they also recognize like, man, USC is the best offensive line in the conference. So, you know, give, give those, give all those dudes a nod, which I think is perfectly fair because they're all part of that. I, I, I kind of, I kind of trust the, the coaches more than anything on off in terms of offensive line stuff. Yeah. But like, like I value the, the all conference for the offensive line more than like all Americans. Oh, absolutely, yes, because they've actually seen all of those guys. Yes, they've actually week. seen all those guys. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. like the All Americans, again, we're sorting like by we're like yeah. by teams and whatnot. Yeah. Um. All right, let's go to talk about the latest uh, and how the world turns with the transfer portal. Um, USC have had two players enter. One of them, I'm very interested to hear reactions as people listen to me say this um but one of them is kobe pepe the other one is uh jake smith (laughs) who uh jake smith did not stay was at usc as a student this year he was not with the team he was dealing with injury stuff so him entering the transfer portal might just be him sort of seeing if he can give it a go again um after his injury stuff uh we had heard nothing i remember searching like google and twitter and everything i could freaking find to find jake smith stuff during the off season there was nothing there yeah because he was uh he was not intending there was he was not going to play this year there wasn't even a report on that like there wasn't even a report on well that's going to be a student this year and that's it the clarity i got on that was just like the 24 7 sports article about him entering the portal (laughs) so it was like yeah he wasn't with the team this year i was like okay well now we know I mean, we assumed that, but uh, but yeah, guys entering. Oh, uh, the other one who entered, I think that we uh, didn't Jayden mention. Jaden Williams. Yeah. Jaden Williams, yeah. but he had already put out his um, intention to enter the portal, like Gary Bryant Jr. earlier. So he's in the portal. But So so the current list of Trojans right now, Jake Smith, Kobe Pepe, Rayleigh Goforth, Julian Simon, Taylor Katoa, Xavier Alford, and Jaden Williams. Um, as expected for a team like USC right now, those are guys who probably, um, you know, are, are best served finding uh, playing time elsewhere and whatnot um, as, as SC looks for uh, new bodies, as they still try to build, especially on defense, all of these uh, on defense with the exception of Jake Smith. 
Um, Raylan Goforth to me is sort of the biggest surprise because he was a starter. Yeah, but uh, was being the operative word there because yeah. I think anybody who watched the defense this year knew that USC was going to be looking for upgrades across the board. Yeah, especially at linebacker. And Julian Simon, I really like Julian Simon to watch him in practice. But um, yeah, he moved to rush end after so, the injury of what Romello Hyde and um, never, never really got on the field. So when he announced his transfer i tweeted like i never really got the move to rush end and ryan young of uh of, rivals of rivals yeah. sort of tweeted and said well they needed a body and it was like yeah so it feels like julian simon never got the chance to because when he was recruited out of high school i didn't think of him as a rush end type no so it was it was like almost like they sacrificed him for depth um which at, at the same time, um, I, I'm a believer that it, that uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm too trusting of of coach evaluations. Perhaps they're they're right there on the field. But if you know players get opportunities, and yeah. um, if if you if you don't if you are not creating an opportunity, then um, things things happen. Okay, right? but like you of, get moved of the players currently on this list for USC to transfer. If you had to pick one. Who USC could ultimately regret seeing them leave this year? For me, it would be Julian Simon because I think he could go somewhere and, and yeah. have a good career. Well, especially because he has he has plenty to, to play. He's, he has like what three or four years to go. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he's got time. Um, Kobe Pepe, I think, is an interesting one. I think that he could he could end up being one of those guys too. Um, David Alford, we, we we've seen what what he's had, and he he. Uh, played a lot for the Trojans in 2021. Didn't see much of the field this year as he got sort of buried in the depth chart a bit. Mm-hmm. Taylor Katoa has never set foot on the field. Uh, Raylan Goforth is a guy who's been around for four years, and we've seen plenty, and I think he'll, that he's, he's a good player, but I don't know that he's... Yeah, I, I think he's a good player, but I don't think he's someone that you're going to sit here and say that SC um, is kicking themselves because... If if he ends up, you know, having a great, you know, senior season and everything, that's on SC for not develop, developing him and getting that out of him. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, other players of note in the portal. Uh, somebody by the name of JT Daniels back in the portal looking for school number four. Uh, no word if the fourth school will be tatted on this leg as well. I don't understand how this man has another free transfer left. How does he how how is he going to be able is to transfer without having to sit out a year? I don't unless unless it's like when they put in the transfer rule it sort of reset the one time free transfer thing because he got the transfer to So the the one from SC to Georgia he had a waiver. He got sign. a waiver. Yeah. I no I, I this this so, makes sense though. So he, gets he, got, the he got a waiver, and then last year was probably the one free transfer to West Virginia, and now and then he's this a grad one is transfer? a grad transfer. Okay, right? That makes sense. That would have to be it, right? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, it'd be uh, interesting to see where he goes. Oregon State is exactly where he should go. Uh, he was rumored to go there last season, and. All the all the tweets on uh, the the day of the no longer called the 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 Civil War was only if if Oregon State only had J T Daniels, Daniels yeah. could they have won the Pac twelve? Well, I mean, I don't know if I would go that far, but 
Um, JT Daniels, he should do one of two things. Well, he should do two, one of, yeah, one of two. Number one, go to Oregon State. Just go to Oregon State. Just do it. Just go to Oregon State. Number yeah. two, find who would you say is the bet, not Lincoln Riley, who is the best developer of quarterbacks for the NFL in college football, for the NFL specifically? Like, go to Wisconsin to play, to develop under like Phil Longo or something. I, I don't know. Find a quarterback coach. Find a quarterback coach. Don't go there to start. Except that so you, you're saying don't go with Graham Harrell. Do not go with Graham Harrell. Go okay. find whoever is respected gotcha. by NFL in NFL circles as a quarterback coach. Don't expect to start. You're there to learn for one year. doesn't matter if you play. You're there to learn and develop for one year. Because if you're gunning for the NFL, like you need yeah. you need to just accept that you've started at, at multiple places now and, and you've had to jump from multiple places now. Like either go to Oregon State and start or – go to whatever quarterback guru you can find and it don't give a crap if you're going to be the starter or not. That can't be the end all be all of, of where you're going. says Matt Castle. You, you know, I, I didn't watch enough of West Virginia this year, but the, the JT Daniels thing just fascinates me. Uh, 13 TDs this year to nine interceptions. Uh, compare that to 2018 when uh, he was at SC as a true freshman. It was 14 to 10. Like his passer rating this year was 122.9. His passer rating as a true freshman, 128.5, even better. Yeah. I Like he was, he was pretty good at Georgia, but this goes back to what we talked about Stetson Bennett. You can be pretty good when you've got that incredible offensive line. You've yeah. got all that talent around you that, that creates a safe space for you to be in. Um, so I think Jaden Daniels can absolutely be a guy who, you know, ha- finds some success. Um, but at the end of the day, he's got to find it, man. Like um, he's, he's got to find it somewhere. Just, but not with Graham Harrell. <laughs> not with Graham Harrell. Certainly. Who could have foreseen that not working out? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. Uh, all right. Uh, uh, West Texas Mike says that's improvement in the chat. <laughs> well, that, that's a perfect segue because we're perfect talking segment about for improvement. Improvement of, of that degree too, in some cases. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to talk about improvements, massive USC improvement in 2022. Uh, our our topic of the day of sorts, Alicia. You put together a uh, a bunch of stats. Um, and talked about how USC compared from 2021 to 2022 and a thread of it over on the Twitters. Um, what, uh, what say you? Uh, I mean, USC improved in, in almost every way uh, in, in yeah. just the, the sort of metrics that I was going for, which were mostly advanced statistics. Um, in the off season, I do plan to do a very full, complete sort of comprehensive um comparison between what USC was in 2021 or more accurately what USC was the five seasons before Lincoln Riley's arrival and sort of sort of average is something that I want to do versus this season mm-hmm. um, just to get a sense of like where the difference for the program is right now uh, but for right now we're comparing 2021 to 2022 and who boy you knew that offense was improved but that offense was improved and it's noteworthy too because it's not like USC's offense statistically was particularly bad in 2021. Um, they were sort of top 50 in pretty much every category, but 
man, did did uh, did things change quickly when Lincoln Riley got a hold of, of what USC had available to it on offense. So let's just go through some of these. Um, S&P Plus overall, USC was 79th last year, 13th this year. FPI overall, that's ESPN, FPI, uh, 83rd overall, 13th this year. So that's a difference of plus 66 in ranks and plus 70 in ranks in those. On offense, they improved from 43rd to 2nd in SP+, from 58th to 3rd in SP+, improvements of 41 and 55 as far as, far as rankings go. So the offense went from sort of mediocre, sometimes good, to full-time elite. The defense, uh, I'm going to save the defense, actually. Let's move on to offensive line because I think this is really interesting. We have been saying for the past two years that USC's offensive line was better than people were giving it credit for. USC's offensive line was probably the strength of the team in 2021. They were better than expected in 2020, um, that they were sort of like doing okay. Like they weren't the problem the way that they had been in previous years. And that follows with some of the stats uh, from um, for, for the advanced stats for the offensive line. Last year, they ranked 38th in average line yards, 19th in uh, opportunity rate, 19th in power success rate, 54th in stuff rate, 9th in sack rate. So those are all very good numbers. Um, for those who don't know, average line yards is the sort of number of, of yards that is attributed to the line, which means before con- before the running back is contacted. So if the running back hasn't been contacted, then in theory, that's because the offensive line has given them those yards. Um, opportunity rate is the percentage of runs that gain four plus yards, which is to say the percentage of runs where the offensive line has done their job because the offensive line should account for four yards of rushing on every play if they do their job. Power success rate is percent of um, of rushes from within two yards that are successful. Uh, stuff rate is percentage of runs that are um, stopped for you know like two yards or less basically stuffed and then sack rate is obviously sacks so last year 38th 19th 19th 54th 9th this year 2022 average line yards number one opportunity rate number one power success rate number two stuff rate number three sack rate 43rd i don't know i can't explain it someone needs to figure that out for um, but across the line, USC is particularly in run in run in sort of the the rushing offense, like significantly better. Yeah. And what what do we what do we attribute that to, Michael? What where do you think that that uh, that difference comes from for USC in terms of the offensive line stats taking off the way that they did? I think a lot of it has to do with the scheme. To be quite honest with you, um, I think SC's offensive line um, is being put into situation like like i think the the way that the runs work are putting them in situations to succeed um and I think, so i think a lot of that is coaching in that sense where they are maximizing those guys at the same point this was also a veteran offensive line that had dudes who have been here forever in Voorhees, neilan and didich uh, right there in the middle those three um who are absolutely vital parts of the, the run game and just running right up the middle and and being able to to push and all those things. The other thing is we talked about the offensive line last year. The offensive line last year was good um, compared, to, compared to 2020, compared to uh, 2019, et cetera. 
the the 2021 USC offensive line, the, the entire thing that we talked about last year on the pod for the people who weren't listening to us back at the end of the you know 2021 season, um, we thought the offensive line would be terrible uh, in 2021, and they ended up being good under Clay McGuire. He really helped. Yeah. And one of the things was that we thought that Clay McGuire proved that he should have been the guy who should have been the hire as soon as they they went to the air raid offense with Graham Harrell, it should have been Clay McGuire to begin with. And I think if that would have been the case, I think they would have been able to find some you know better success early on in 2019 and 2020, and maybe that means a win or two. Who knows? But the difference is, you know, SC gets an even better um, air raidy concepty guy. And Lincoln Riley, who just does it better and doesn't just stick to air raid concepts. He's got, you know, there, there's power run concepts in there as well. And there's there's a bunch of different things that I think puts the offensive line in a position to succeed, puts the backs in a position to succeed because USC's running backs this year, as good as Travis Dye is, I think we can I think we can say they weren't as good as the backs that we've seen at USC in recent memory, Ronald Jones, uh, Ronald guys like Ronald Jones. Yeah. Um, uh, last year with, um, with uh, Keontae Ingram, Keontae Ingram, Ingram would have eaten in this offense. Man, yeah. He would, would have been eaten. insane. Yes. Yeah. He, was, he would have been super good. So like, I think the individual talent that SC has had before at running back has been better than this season, but this season's running backs were more successful on average, just because they had an offensive line that were, pushing huge holes um, up front for him. Yes. And, and I would agree with you so much of this proves that scheme matters. Yeah. Run, run the, the blocking schemes matter um, that fit with your sort of philosophy from your offensive coordinator down to your offensive line coach um, matters immensely. And this is what you see when you get things right. And you have veterans uh, that you can then apply uh, to to put into the to to get the most out of your out of your offense, um, what does this mean for USC going forward? Is really interesting because USC won't be able to have those veteran offensive linemen uh, that they had this year going into next year. Yeah, but I think this was proof of concept, and I hope that I think Josh Henson, the offensive line coach, did a hell of a job. Was it Henson or Hanson? One of them is Hen- I think it's Henson. Josh Henson is the is the offensive line coach. Yeah, and the tight ends coach is Hanson. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, just getting that right. Uh, he has done a really good job of of applying what Lincoln Riley wants and taking the talent that was available to him and putting them into position to do their jobs. What uh, what you would hope then that means is that you can bring in some dudes in the transfer portal and have immediate results from it um yeah that would be my hope for uh for usc this year uh, usc for next year because if if lincoln riley and, and henson were able to do that this year first year with these guys then sort of roll with it um but yes the scheme is the scheme is everything all right moving on uh last few things on the offense incredibly efficient Touchdown rate, first this year. Value drive rate, fourth this year. First down rate, sixth this year. Busted drive rate, 11th. Turnover rate, first. Um, We're sort of trying to move on here, so I'm not going to get into like the advanced stats there, but all 
great improvements from last year, which were still good I, last year. I, I think the two biggest ones on those FEI numbers uh, in touchdown rates. Touchdown rate, yes. Like SC was number one in the country this year. They were 71st last year. And that's the difference between an offense that averages 40 points a game and an offense that averages 30 points a game. And remember last year we talked so much about uh, last year and the year before, um, 2020 especially, was the year in which SC left all the points on the field. Well, last year I think is a, is a perfect example of SC was 71st in touchdown rates. In available yards last year, they were 31st. 31st is not terrible. It's good. Uh, in terms of gaining the available yards, which means they're, ju- they're just eating up yards. And, you know, our, our friend Trent has always called it the empty calories of the Graham Harrell offense. And yes. that's what it was. That's what it was. When you look at this year in available yards, SC was fourth. So and, and available yards, if you don't know what those are, that's if you start at the 20, you have 80 yards to gain. If you stall at the opposite 20 and you gain 60 of the of the 80 available yards, that's three quarters, 75%, right? Like if you score a touchdown, it's 100% of the available yards that you've earned. And last year, SC was gaining 53.5% of their available yards on offense. This year, it was up to 65.7. And the difference is and you end up finishing touchdown With drives. touchdowns. That's the yeah. big, big difference. Between- now... And not to to get beat you to the defense, but the problem with USC's defense this year is we talked about, you know, the the nature of uh, last year's or the twenty twenty one defense was just the worst defense we had ever seen in USC history, and it, it really was. But at the same points, you look at the available yardage, Alicia. That's not a place where SC improved. Uh, SC was just last year in available yards on defense. Uh, 104th this year, SC in available yards on defense, 111th. They went backwards. But as you're going to tell us, they went up in something else. So this is the problem with the defense. The defense improved in a lot of ways. I'll go over the ones where they improved. Um, Overall, S&P Plus defense, they were 107th in 2021. They were 71st. That's an improvement of 36 places. Yeah. FPI defense, same thing. 107th last year, improved to 68th. That's an improvement of 39 places. Um, The defensive line improves in several measures. Their sack rate goes up from 88th to 36th. Stuff rate goes up from 128th to 83rd. Huge difference. Uh, Power success rate, 123rd to 71st. Uh, Average line yards, 107 to 90th. So there is improvement. Opportunity rate, though, dropped from 69th to 117th. So this this defense was weirdly boom or bust mm-hmm. with more bust than boom. But except for the one big, uh, the big boom was a nuclear boom. Yes. Turnover rate last year was a very, except a sort of respectable 23rd. Yeah. This very year was good. That's still good. Number one. Number one in turnover rate. Yes. Um, Can't get better than that one. The other defensive a big boom, nuclear boom that happens. USC's touchdown rate on defense in 2021 ranked 116th. Yeah, in it, 2022, 11th. It, 105 it places. 105 places. Now, a lot of that is the turnover rate. You get the turnovers more often, and yes, your touchdown rate is going to go down because yeah. they're not scoring 
on those turnovers drives, but like, it's not like they, they, you know, forced turnovers 50 times this year. <laughs> yeah. So the defense had a lot of areas where they improved the problem being first down rate dropped 10 spots, value drive rate dropped 14 spots, uh, opportunity rate dropped 48 spots. Yep. Uh, we could go through a lot of other numbers that show that the uh, improvements in terms of the just base metrics didn't happen um, or didn't happen large enough, largely enough. Mm-hmm. If that's a if yeah. that's a word that we can use, I, I, I think that yeah, you you look at things like um, for instance, uh, you know, yards per play. Uh, SC this year allowed 6.3 yards per play. They were 6.37 last year. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't improve and you needed to improve. Um, the, the thing that did ba- bail SC out and, and, you know, the thing that I find frustrating about this defense is I think there were a lot of good moments for this defense, the Washington state game, the ASU game in the second half, the Oregon state game, right? Like, getting some key stops against UCLA, even though they gave up 45 points, the Notre Dame game would just controlling the game uh, on the ground and, and and not letting Michael Mayer's production get the best of them. Like, I think there's some key things that the defense did. However, when the, the games that went bad, went really bad, like the Utah, both Utah games, especially the fourth quarter of the, the Pac-12 championship game was so bad that it ends up putting the numbers back to the point where I think the narrative stuck, uh, stood, which was which for SC was well they just get turn it's just it's all turnover luck, and I don't think that was the case for a lot of the year. I think that yes, SC was forcing turnovers, but they were still making key stops when they needed to, um, even if they were giving up a bunch of yards. But the end of the year, the the sheer yardage that they gave up against Arizona and Utah and UCLA, all of that added up to the point that you look at the numbers and you're like, yeah, the only difference la- between this year and last year was the turnovers. And you've got to be better than that. And and that's why, like, I think going into year two, it's it's all on Alex Grinch to, to fix those things because – the the good things like Tuli Tupelotu leading the the country in sacks, um, th- th- like that should be that should be evident in how well the defense played, but it it's not in in the numbers. Yeah, and and that's sort of that's the 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 biggest thing that the defense needs to improve is you know yes you've improved your turnovers. You got to improve your efficiency so that when you play Utah and only force one turnover in each game, that's not the end of the world for you because that's ultimately what it came down to is USC forced turnovers in in every game this year, except for Washington state, which ironically was also their most efficient game in terms of preventing an offense from just moving the ball. Um, They, but in the, the games against Utah, they only forced one turnover and it's not like Utah is not a team that couldn't wasn't capable of of having multiple turnovers. But against the elite teams, you can't depend on that. You can't depend on, you know, Oregon got the three turnover game from Cam Rising. He wasn't going to have very many of those. Uh, so it's all about efficiency, efficiency, efficiency. And efficiency is the hardest thing to improve. 
because that means that you have all 11 guys working in concert and that's not what it felt like USC had this year. Okay. Last point before we go to uh, the mailbag to wrap this thing up is that I, I've had it in my head the last couple of weeks that the Notre Dame game was SC's best game of the year. Um, was it Washington state? Well, I, no, I think the Washington state should have been, but the offense, the wasn't, offense didn't do what yeah. wasn't amazing against Washington state. No, I thought it's, it's the Notre Dame game. I was just looking at the yards for play numbers. The most yards per play that SC gave up all year was against Utah at Rice Eccles, 7.87. Number two was that Notre Dame game. Never in the in my in a world would I have guessed that. Well, is that because Notre Dame didn't have very many plays? And when they did, they were plays, bigger the, plays. The, the fewest in the entire season, yeah. Yeah, because USC was getting off the field. And, and then Drew, Drew Pine threw a bunch of yards. When but, when they gained yards, they gained a lot of yards. Yeah. So that sort of does track, but yeah. Um still weird. Yeah. Weird. Well, and again, this this defense this defense this year was very weird. There's a lot of conversations just before we get to the mailbag uh, about whether or not USC should part ways with Alex Grinch. We have already said you don't part ways with Alex Grinch unless you have somebody ready to replace him. Um Jim Jim Leonard from Wisconsin is apparently not staying at Wisconsin. If I'm USC, that I ask be that a question. Big opportunity, yeah. But if it's not him, you move into year two with with uh, Alex Grinch, and you you move into year two with Alex Grinch, expecting to continue to build on these improvements that we've seen. Again, to just go through, um, plus fifty two in sack rate, plus forty five in stuff rate, plus fifty two in power success rate, plus seventeen in average line yards. Um, overall. The defense was plus 39 in FPI and plus 36 in, in SP+. Plus. That's a start, but you can't be stagnant. Yeah, uh, and FC's got to get better. Absolutely. We'll see if uh, they can under Alex Grinch going forward uh, in year two. Uh, let's get to the mailbag. Alicia, you know the only good thing about football season being over? There's literally nothing good about the football season being over. It's just an endless wait until the fall. See, that's where you're wrong. It's tournament season. The best way to take your mind off the endless wait. That is true. I may not want to watch the men play, but the USC women are pretty awesome. Exactly, but it's not just SC. There's high-stake basketball moments all over the country. But you know what? They get even better with prize picks. So you're saying the only thing better than watching Juju Watkins is taking the more on Juju Watkins. Bingo. You can now turn your hoops knowledge and love of Juju Watkins into serious cash. Because you can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks. Turn 10 bucks into a thousand bucks with college basketball, NBA, and NHL entries. Best of all, Price Picks lets you get on the action on more than 30 states across the country, including Texas, Georgia, and California. That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, download the app today. Use the code Rain of Troy for a first deposit match up to $100. That's the Price Picks app with the code Rain of Troy for the first deposit match of up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Start with a message we got from Pacific Northwest Trojan. Is Caleb possibly sitting out the bowl game a good thing for the program overall? I kind of think it is. Great experience from Miller Moss is our backup, and I'm curious to see how well he does with a full game. Um, for the program overall, I don't know if I would go that far. Um, in in terms of Caleb not not playing, I do think it would be good to see Miller Moss. I do think it would be good to sort of get a sense of of where he stands and some clarity too for him about where he stands uh, in this offense, whether or not he has a future, or whether or not he should look uh, at other opportunities for for him as well. Um, I also want to win the game. So I want Caleb to play in the sense that I want to see USC win a game. Yeah, th- to me, this is one of those things where is it the best thing? Yes, potentially. I think that yes, but it's not one of those best things that it's going to ever – like you're never going to know that it is Yeah. until like you really know, right? Like, like let's say that, you know um, – Miller Moss has to come in in a game next year and you just see like, this was the improve. This was, you could tell that like the, the cotton bowl, you know, really solidified him or whatever. Or the other thing is if he shows out in the cotton bowl, maybe he goes in the transfer portal. Like I, you know, you, you never know what's going to happen. So I, I I don't know. I, I think the best thing for SC is to get Caleb healthy. If that's healthy, um, by next week, and he's available to get a couple weeks of practice in. Great. Do you want my hot take? If if not, then yeah, go go with Miller Moss. What? I think if USC loses Caleb Williams next year, we won't see Miller Moss. We'll see Malachi Nelson. So it doesn't really matter. To I, don't, me. I don't think that's a hot take. I'm just saying. I I don't think that's a hot take. That's why anybody. I think that game would be huge for Miller Moss because if he could show that he is a viable candidate to lead this yeah. offense. But the more I think about it, the more I think about what happened against Utah, the more I think if Lincoln Riley saw Miller Moss as a viable candidate to lead this offense, he would have put him in that game. And no, I'm not talking, I, I'm not dogging Miller Moss. I'm talking from a skill set perspective. Sure. Uh, from a is Miller Moss going to be able to run the the run game? I, the I, way that Lincoln Riley intends for his offense to be run. I agree. I also think it's, I, I go back to how difficult it is to take your Heisman winner out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so. we've, and we don't need to rehash that necessarily. I'm just yeah, saying, I, I think Malachi Nelson plays if it's not Caleb Williams next year. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's go to Hoagie P. It says, when will we get the Roddies? Um, probably after, probably after season, January. January. Yeah, yeah. Like after the, after the bowl, for sure. Uh, West Texas Spike says, uh, what should we keep an eye out for with this coaching staff in 2023 and ability to adjust by calling quick, short passing plays when needed refusal to stick to running plays when it's working poor job of coaching, good tackling techniques. Um, all right, hold on. Let me go to Twitter and see what the Oklahoma fans are complaining about. Uh, hold on. They said, uh, okay, by year two, Lincoln Riley will suck. Sorry. By year three, he will really suck. Uh, by year four, you'll want him gone. Okay, so apparently that's what you get, need to look for, according to um, Sumer Boy Man sixty nine. <laughs> so um, I when I when yeah. I when I tweeted my 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 thread about these stats that we've just gone over, I had someone ask, 
so USC doesn't have really room to improve on offense then. And I said, like, yeah, there's always room to improve. There's always things that you can do better. But also, let's be real. Any complaints that you have on offense, any complaints that any of us have on offense are nitpicky. They're nitpicky. Uh, well, when it comes down to it, you need to have your defense improve and you need to have your offense be as efficient as possible. And we've seen what an efficient USC offense looks like. And if you replicate this year's offense next year with an improved defense, you'll see the results. No, I think there's a lot of places you can still improve on offense. Um, consistency. Yeah. Uh, SC struggled to have 60 minute games this year, especially on offense. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we, we talk about the the scoring, right? And the, how SC was, you know, scoring offense was up. Um, they scored 66 against Rice, 55 against Colorado, and never hit 50 ever again. Yeah. And I'm not saying you need to hit 50, but it'd be nice every now and then. Um, so I, I think there's there's still an upward trajectory for the offense to yes. get to. Absolutely. Absolutely. For, for uh, much of the first half of the season, the offense was not at a perfect elite level like they were in the second half. We're also talking so. about, yes, I, I 100% agree. I'm also trying to brace people for knowing that the offensive line should take a step back next year just because it was a perfect storm for the offensive line this year. Um, the departures that there's a question about and, and all of that, like the offense, I don't think you can go in expecting the offense to sudden, like they were already a 41 point average offense yeah. capable of scoring 50 points. Like there isn't, there's marginal gains to be had on but the, offense. But those marginal games, to Mike's point, are, yeah, like yes. things yeah, like absolutely. avoiding the ruts. Yes. So it comes down to play calling. I think it comes down to getting the receivers not to have as many drop balls as they had. I thought the drop balls were a big problem this year, and everyone but Addison seemed to have that issue. So, yeah, there's. I, but I want to caution that there will always be, there, there is always no such something. thing as a perfect offense. There will always be. Things that go wrong because this is college football and these are kids that are playing this game. Like that's yes. that's the reality. So yes, there are little, right. but like you take Lincoln Riley's flaws every the every day of the weekend twice on Saturdays. So yeah. I will take that as far as the offensive coaching and offensive stuff is concerned. Yeah, uh, Fighting IMC says, "Do we know yet who has to be replaced on the offensive line?" Uh, no, at, at this point, it's it's Voorhees and and Nilon. Uh, or he's in Milan, and then uh, you go from there. We think that Dietrich has another year. We don't know if he's coming back. Um, I believe that Bobby Haskins is done, so that's three. Uh, it would not surprise me if Cortland Ford was in the portal. I don't know why he didn't play more in the second half of the season. And uh, let's see, Monheim should have another year. Uh, Mason Murphy obviously has a lot of of uh, time left. And am I missing somebody? Of the the regulars, that that seems to be the, all the regulars. The yeah. biggest one is Dietrich. Yeah, you need to convince Dietrich to come back because that stabilizes you quite a bit. Because in theory, you have your center. Yeah, uh, Nick says, "Can you wirelessly pinch me so that I know that we really went eleven and two at the Heisman finalists after being irrelevant for a decade plus?" That's the surreal part to all of this is that you can sit here and be like, you know, all boo boo faced about the 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 loss for SC last week and not going to the playoff and all that stuff. And then you realize they went 11 and two. They're, they're good. They're probably going to win the Heisman. Like, you know, uh, back in 2002, 13 year old me would have been freaking out about this. 
for like, like I was in 2002 with Carson Palmer and all and all that. So like, yes, like this is incredible what what SC is, is was able to accomplish this year. Yes, just objectively incredible. That's why don't let the Oklahoma trolls, don't let the Utah trolls, don't get look the the Oregon trolls. It's funny that I haven't had to say anything about the UCLA trolls because I think they're all just in our buddy Jake's sort of depressive like what even is life sort of mode. They're not really yeah. out and about, but. Um, it's basketball season. So. Don't let those don't let those folks get in your head. Like this was objectively a great season, and there's incredible things to look forward to. And and one of the things I'm really excited about is USCA adding another Heisman, eighth eighth Heisman, huge deal. Uh, I need to get myself a number thirteen jersey because I wore number thirteen playing sports in school. So thirteen. I don't like the number, by the way. It's not a lucky number. It's That's why I ended up with it. retired. Not not a good looking number. <laughs> uh, Matthew Moreno says, uh, what's in the perfect breakfast burrito? Let me tell you. Beans, cheese, and meat. You don't need any. That's And, and it's just a burrito that you're having at breakfast time. That is a good burrito. Update on Michael Food Takes. Breakfast burrito itself. Get, Update get out of here. on Michael Food Takes. He has recently begun to appreciate eggs. I, I do like eggs now. now. Yes. I the thought of putting them in a burrito never. I am happen. designing the perfect breakfast burrito from Michael, and then I'll tell you myself. Number one, eggs. Number two, cheese. Number three, tater tots. Number four, steak. That's Michael's. I, I can tell you right now, that is Michael's ideal breakfast burrito. I will endeavor to force him to try it at some point. For me, eggs, cheese, breakfast sausage tater tots or hash browns or some other sort of potatoy thing and we are good food should not touch so why should i want <laughs> you like I... burritos though like what what are you what are you burritos talking about it's burrito it's, a, it's the same thing as a burrito Regular burritos breakfast burritos what makes no. beans different from eggs in in actuality like it's the same idea no it's not it's, it's different okay. it, it's just this Tim says, how well has Vegas predicted the Heisman winner? Caleb is a massive favorite right now, and I hope that's a good sign. I, I don't actually know. It's in this. Vegas's best interest to have that right. So. Yeah, I, I, I don't actually know the, the betting history or how I would even look that up, to be honest. I, yeah. I don't know. Uh, Nick says, uh, does Lincoln Riley fire Wilcox? LOL. I mean Grinch. And, and go after generational talent in Wisconsin's defensive coordinator, should he? Um, I think that I, I think the ruthless move, we, we talked about this before, the ruthless move is yes, to, to cut your buddy and go out and, and, and make the, the, the big hire. Will he do that after one season? I don't know. I think that's probably a little bit difficult because I think you can rationalize it's just year one. But, 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 yes, that absolutely would be the ruthless move to get better, especially when the expectations at SC are only going to ramp up. It is absolutely playoff or bust next year Mm -hmm. and that might be a problem considering the offensive line is going to take a step back presumably at least in terms of uh experience yeah i do i don't fire alex grinch though i hire jim leonard that's what i do like uh, if if you need to fire grinch and then go find somebody else you're you're doing it wrong you should have an assurance already before you make any move at DC uh, that you should already know who's coming. Yeah. All right. Uh, Eric says, did I miss your guest, your dog having a guest appearance? Yeah. After the UCLA game, 
Uh, was it the Notre J- Dame game? J- Jesse was off. No, Notre Dame game. We're up in, in Washington. Oh, that's right. It was after the UCLA game. Yeah. Yes, Jesse was on. Well, Jesse will be on in the future as, yeah. as well. Uh, Je- Jesse worry. and my brother's dog, Copite, were almost on because they were sleeping back there. Like while, while I was working, they were both just sleeping very, very peacefully. And we had a conversation about what to do with them. Couldn't, and I was they, like, it cannot be trusted. And I was like, you know, we could, I mean, at this point, the way that they're sleeping, we could literally just record an episode. And then you brought up the very good point that like when they're not sleeping, they, they could wake up during the episode and yes. then, and then we'd have problems because uh, they are raucous. Oh, just, just a little bit. So all right, uh, that's gonna be uh, that's gonna be this episode. We'll be back on Monday to talk more about whether or not Caleb Williams did become the eighth Heisman Trophy winner in USC football history. Uh, talk a little bit more portal, maybe look ahead to uh, the Cotton Bowl a little bit, uh, and so much more. As always, if you got emails and want to email us, rainoftroyatfanside.com is how you can do that. Uh, be sure to like this video if you're watching us on YouTube right now. Like it right now. Uh, be sure to subscribe, and we'll see you on Monday. Uh, until then, see ya. Uh, one last thing: uh, Caleb Williams has won the Maxwell Award. PFF and the Walter Co- Camp too, right? PFF. Uh, I haven't seen Walter Camp. I've seen Maxwell. No. Oh. Uh, PFF College says seven of the last eight Maxwell Award winners have gone on to win the Heisman Trophy. Who's the exception? I don't know. I bet. I bet it's McCaffrey. I bet it's McCaffrey. He got robbed. Uh, are you willing to stay on the air while I look this up? You got three seconds. Well, Google's not loading that that quickly. Blah, blah, oh, blah. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Bryce Young, Devontae Smith, yes, yes. Joe Burrow, yes. Tua Tag- Tagovailoa, yes. Baker. Uh, no, Tua, no. There you go. 2018 Tua. was not Tua? Tua never won the high. Oh, okay, so it was Tua. <laughs> All right, uh, until then, we'll see you. See ya. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.